Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We've got our part two conversation with Matt Baker about the big three in college football, Florida, Florida State and Miami. They're... Uh, dominance of course and then their demise and whether or not they can come back to that position again that's coming up but first let's hit on the news rob gronkowski gronk he's back he's well no he's oh, not no. and he was he was however interviewed by mike reese uh a bspn up in the new england area where he was uh making an appearance i guess on behalf of one of his companies um and uh, mike did a good job of asking him about his his retirement, such as it is, and his plans, and whether or not, even if Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, asked him to return, whether he would consider it. And his answer was a pretty convincing no. I, it, it, didn't, it, it won't matter if Tom calls, love Tom, great, greatest of ever, uh, ever played, I'm done. I, you know, well, Rosenhaus, yeah, Drew, you know, he's a football agent, he loves guys that play football, but I am through. I'm going to see where my, you know, my business side falls. I'm going to try to create a new space and, and, and you know, and, uh, new opportunities for myself. And we're just kind of see how this goes. And you know what? I believe him. I believe him now. You know, Tom has said very convincing things at times, and he was out 40 days. And I think you made the comment it hasn't been 40 days for Rob yet, so maybe we should prompt the brakes. Uh, and I still think there's a belief that he's not in it for 25 weeks. But if it was about eight weeks to go and maybe four playoff games, you could call him up and he would he would get his football pants on. You know what? I don't think he's going to play. And the reason I don't think he's going to play is I think he knows, as many great players do, what what it takes for him to prepare for a season, for a game, both mentally and physically, and I don't think he's willing to pay that price anymore. And, and you know, when he came here out of retirement the first time, he, his body had a whole year off to heal. He wasn't beat up. Um, he wasn't in tremendous shape, but he kind of worked his way into it, and he got very fortunate. He, he, he played every single game, which is something he had only done, I think, twice in his career. And then the next season came. Now you've gone through a year of getting bruised and beaten again, now your body doesn't feel quite as good, and then the injuries came, and, and serious injuries, you know, fractured ribs, punctured lung. Uh, his back was a problem, which has been a problem in his career for a long time. And I think by the end of the season, he very, you know, he took the time. My, my information was he was going to retire probably, uh, you know, uh, right after Tom did, except that Tom came back, and I think that threw a kind of a monkey wrench into things. So he reconsidered it. But I just think he, he doesn't have anything left to give physically and or mentally to this game because to, for him to play it at such a high level, he knows what that cost is, and he's not willing to pay it, and he's got other interests. And I think that's the thing that people miss about Gronkowski is he's never been all football. 
Yeah, despite, you know, the way he, he sort of is a caricature of himself at times. So I think he's done. I really do. For the first time, I heard him say it. I believe him. Could he change his mind? I suppose they all do. But in this case, knowing when he came back to the game and talking to his dad, who said their entire family was shocked that he was going to play and didn't think he would uh, and thought that Tom talked him into it, Tom Brady clearly could not talk him into starting the season with him in Tampa. I don't know he's going to be successful halfway through the year trying to talk him into coming back. Yeah, his quotes were pretty definitive in his feeling. Yeah. And and I I completely believe that come game one against the Cowboys, he will not be on the field. Mm-hmm. But week 13, 14, <laughs> the Bucks yeah. sort of have a shortage of tight ends. <laughs> they're uh, first place. Maybe they're close to a bye. <laughs> and Tommy says, hey, Gronk, you got you got seven games in you, eight games in you. We're, we're first. We got a bye. If, if we, I we, get it. I we know. Do these last few games, we, we can get a bye. We don't, one less playoff game. What do you think? I, I, I don't. I don't know what he'll say in that case. Yeah, a reality would matter, right? Like if it was out in front of him, if it was real, if if the Bucks were off to a great start, um, they were probably going to get the number one seed. They had a couple games remaining in the regular season. He wouldn't have to play a ton, but just kind of work his way back into shape and say, "Hey." Just just be ready for that playoff run. You know, maybe, right? Like like I guess you never say never, but I believe Gronk because I, I think I think he knows himself and and he's done this once before. He did come back, but he's done this once before. He he saw what was on his side. He was very active. He had a game show. He had a lot of things. You know, I was talking about I think he kind of plays he is who he is. He's unique in that way. He never had a bad day, but He's got a lot of outside interest, and and people might miss the fact that this guy, in business, like he made like a three five at Arizona in business administration. His dad started a company, a, an exercise equipment company, weightlifting and such, um, a long time ago. Uh, he's got what three or four other brothers that are involved in business that are former athletes as well, uh, NFL players, uh, uh, pro baseball player, and. They have a lot of of companies um, that Rob is is intertwined in, and and some that he probably would like to, you know, to hatch yet on his own. So, um, you know, the word is that despite all the money he made, and I think he made I don't know eighty million, hundred million dollars, I guess, off the field or on the field in salary, that he has been so successful off the field that the the word is that he's never really tapped into what his wages were in, in the NFL. Um, that that he has been such an entrepreneur in that sense during his career. So he set himself up for this. He started to probe it uh, for a year until Tom Brady came to Tampa Bay, and then that that was kind of put on the shelf. But, you know, you got an SI supermodel girlfriend slash wife, um, and you're young and you're still, you know, you still look pretty good and you're still walking without a limp. So I don't know. I it, it you know reality is a different thing than a hypothetical, and that's what he was fed by Mike Reese. But I I tend to think that you know I I think he means it this time. I I, I could be wrong, but I think he means it this time. Now if Brady was in this position again, I'll never believe Tom Brady. Even when he retires next time and said no, this is really it, I'm not going to believe him until the season starts and he's not part of it. But with Gronk. You know, kind of heard he was leaning towards retirement, and then, like I said, I think he he took the time because he could 
um, in the off season to to see how he felt when he got to August. And if he doesn't feel like playing now, it's hard to imagine that him just sitting home on the couch. That's come December when the phone rings, he's going to say, "Yeah, I'm ready now." I, I I don't know, but your point is well taken. I think we'll have to see how it all plays out. But it was interesting. I thought he was. This is the most blunt that you know. Hearing him say it in the way he said it uh, was the most believable yet. And one of the reasons why he probably doesn't want to continue on is that, you know, you need so much power to to create air conditioning in the summertime down here in Tampa. And to save on those power bills, you need May Electric Solar. That's right. They're a family-owned business. They've been uh, operating and installing solar electric systems for 12 years. Look, in a field where there's many fly-by-night companies, May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term unlike Rob Gronkowski. Uh, they guarantee their worksmanship, and they have a 30-year labor and service warranty. Plus, and this is big, with every install, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That's the main difference right there. Now, uh, you can visit their Hutchins showroom. Uh, May Electric displays all of its products, and it conducts on-site testing so you can see exactly what they install. Plus, and they don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who is doing the work so start saving today call the solar energy experts at may electric solar at 727-819-2862 to schedule a free estimate you can lower your electric bill all year long you can preserve your quality of life and preserve your appliances through every single storm season like the one we're having now may electric solar 727-819-2862 you know, yesterday we had part one of that outstanding three-part series by Matt Baker. You can read on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times about the big three, right? Uh, Florida, Florida State, Miami, their dominance in the 80s, the 90s, all the way to 2001 when they all three programs were, weren't ranked very, very high, won national championships, all of that. Um, today we're going to pick it up with sort of the changes that have occurred and what's responsible for some of the demise of those programs, and also just how, you know, the disparity um, in high schools and how Florida high schools might be at a disadvantage with some of the money they pay their coaches or don't pay their coaches in this case. So we're going to examine that and also whether or not we'll see uh, these three universities and their football programs rise to national prominence again. So here's part two of our conversation with Matt Baker. Let's hit on the high school coaching because this is fascinating to me and it's inexplicable in some respects as well, Um, although I'm sure there's lots of reasons for it. But high school coaching, I mean, when you have this much talent in the state of Florida, we know it gets obviously, uh, you know, pilfered by a lot of schools in the south and and throughout the country, obviously. Um, But the, the good high school coaches, there's such a disparity in terms of compensation for them that you're losing high school coaching talent to other states like Texas, like Georgia, and so on. Um, it's it's something that doesn't get really addressed that much, and I and I don't know what it's going to take to change it. I've talked to Bob Hudson at Eastlake and some others about it. It's just it's unbelievable. When I went to Texas, I did a story one time uh, on a, I'm a former Buck player there, Keep Talib, and I went to his high school. And first of all, the high school was the size of most college campuses. Um, was he was he was know. he Garland? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Um, I have to check on that, but I think you're right. Yeah, it was in Garland, Texas. And so um, went there, and, you know, they have two gyms with, on the campus, if that gives you a sense of anything. Of course, the, 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 the stadium itself looked like a small college stadium. Um, you know, 
the amount of guys they got out. You know, it, it was it was like taking three or four North Pinellas schools, smushing them together, and that was your Texas high school at that time. Um, but the athletic director, who was also the head coach, was going over budgets, and he was talking about how much it would cost to send the golf team to Pebble Beach for a tournament. And I went, wait a minute. Your golf team is going to Pebble Beach for a tournament? And he was like, yeah. They travel all the time around the country. And I was like, whoa. Like, and I knew he was making well into the six figures as the AD and slash football coach. It's just not even close to I, – I don't know what it's going to take necessarily because no one is – you know, none of these counties are just, you know, in flux with money here. But, but you're losing talent, high school coaching talent to other states, and that's a factor. So uh, Akib Talib was uh, Berkner High School in Richardson. Uh, Richardson, Stadium okay. capacity, 8,800. Um, the press box does have an elevator, and they play on <laughs> turf. Um, okay. <laughs> after, after a quick look, I can tell you that is better. I, I spent three years covering high schools here, right? Uh, that looks like a better stadium than anything in this area, other than maybe plant, but probably plant also. Um, sure. And that's just, that's just one. Um, I remember when I was in Oklahoma, I was at the Tulsa World for a couple of years. Oklahoma State played at um, played at Ole Miss in the Cotton Bowl. And I remember talking to some of the coaches and they were saying, yeah, I can't tell you how many indoor practice facilities for high schools we pass on the way down here. And we're still, still trying to build ours. And by the way, Oklahoma State has opened and it's nice and everything. But that's just the way it is in Texas. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the Friday Night Lights, like that whole thing, it's it's kind of real. It's I, real. I interned at the Dallas Morning News covering yeah. high schools. I, I know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. And the, the facilities are real. The indoor practice facilities are real. The interest is real. The stadiums are real. And the salaries are real. Where the top high school coaches in Texas, um, you know, they make six figures. Yeah. Uh, it, Dallas Independent Schools recently boosted their salary, average salary to $122,000. Um, for the high school coaches there, because that's what they need to be to be competitive. And again, that's that's Dallas, which is not one of the wealthy suburbs. That's in, that's downtown Dallas in those schools. So, but they knew if they didn't have those guys pay those guys, they were going to go to to um, South Lake Carroll and Richardson and Plano and and what have you, and they were going to lose them. And you know, high, high school coaches have a very important role. They they, they really do in terms of all the kids that look up to them and that they mentor and there's a lot of value there, even if it doesn't necessarily show up on the standardized test scores at the end of the year and Texas and Georgia and and Oklahoma, I can tell you that from personal experience, those are States that have put in the investment because they think it's important. They think it's important for the players and they think it's important for the community that we need to support this. And the state of Florida does not, Um, you know, (laughs) Uh, there was what in, in 2019 there were 44 coaches in Georgia who made six figures according to uh, First Coast News, which did a, a Jacksonville outlet that did a story on it a couple of years ago. And, and in Florida, most high school coaches their stipend is somewhere in the four to five thousand dollar range, and most of them are also teachers. And again, compare that to Texas, where you're getting paid six figures to be sometimes just the football coach. That's it. Just coach you're the football, director yeah. of football. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are athletic directors as well, but some of them mm. just coach football and make six figures compared to the high school coach here in Hillsborough County making $3,800 to be the football coach. And then also, t- you know, doing teaching on top of that. You, sometimes you get what you pay for. 
And I think, again, this is one of the many factors here with the big three, but when, when uh, lots of really good coaches from the state have left for Georgia and elsewhere because the salaries are not good enough here, or they say, you know what, this isn't worth it. I'm out. Cause I can tell you from personal experience, I, I've seen plenty of high school coaches in this area say, this isn't worth it, dude. I, I can't, this isn't worth it for my family. Too much right. time, not enough money. See ya. And when that happens over and over again, Again, you're, you're talking high school. I think high school players are not getting developed quite well enough. And mm-hmm. then th- think of it from the college recruiter's perspective, right? You know, your, 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 your buddy at Jefferson High School in Tampa, he, he burns out, he's done. And then somebody else comes in. Somebody comes in from Illinois, West Virginia, I, South Carolina, whatever it is. And you're trying to start from scratch with them. And that's, you know, if you're a high school or if you're a college recruiter trying to find the next great Rick Stroud quarterback, that's an issue because he's got ties to other places and those places aren't you. So I, I think that's one of the factors here that's uh, at play. And, you know, there's a, and, uh, a couple months ago in Tampa, there was a, a, a football coaches coalition with high school coaches trying to address this and other issues. And I think there's a reason why almost every school, every college in the state was there talking about it. And I think there, and I know there's a reason why Billy Napier, when he met with uh, Governor Ron DeSantis at the Gator Day in Tallahassee, I think it was in February, one of the things he talked about was, I would love it if we could pay our high school coaches more because it's an issue the high school level and, and, it, and it affects the colleges too. It trickles up. Yeah, it sure does. And, and they certainly uh, work a lot of hours and, and uh, have a big job, as you mentioned. All right, let's look at the future because um, the future of college football itself is changing rapidly, and we got to look and see how Florida, Florida State, and Miami perhaps fit into that. Look, there's going to be a huge disparity uh, in is uh, in TV revenue with the expansion of the Big Ten and the SEC, which may be the only two conferences that ultimately determine college football. So, let's start there uh, with the NILs. There, there, you know, there's there's different rules even uh, with respect to the state of Florida, what they can and can't provide. Uh, this is not an even playing field for all these teams. No, it isn't. Um, you know, NIL is is weird. I, I don't have a good enough read on that in terms of, you know, I, Florida State's athletic director said in the, in the spring that he doesn't think FSU and, and the state schools can compete in NIL because the state's law, our, our state's law is more restrictive than some of the other ones in terms of what coaches and programs and athletic departments are allowed to do. They're, they just can't facilitate deals in the way that other states can. I don't know. I've also had some people say, I don't know that, but so far the data is really proof, you know, borne that out. So I, I'm still kind of in the middle on that. Um, but certainly NIL is a, a factor where the big three cannot fall behind the way they did in facilities. They, they absolutely cannot because if they do game over. Um, but the, the, the bigger issue here or, the, the more obvious issue, I guess, is conference TV money or conference money. Um, because when you look at it, a, a firm Navigate did some projections in the spring, and they think by 2029, the SEC is going to be paying its schools $100 million each, somewhere along that line. And the and the Big Ten will be in that mix. And you know certainly with the addition of USC and UCLA, they'll be in that mix. And, and the ACC is way behind. We're talking a, a gap of $50 million a year, if not more. So that's going to show up somewhere, right? Like you can't have somebody making half as much as somebody else and not have a drop off. You you can't. Um, I I don't think money is not the only thing. 
It, it's certainly not. But if I'm able to pay your coaches twice as much or, or three times as much, I'm going to get your best assistance, right? Like that's just going to happen. I'm going to be yeah. able to build newer stuff, nicer stuff, add three more nutritionists, add two more um, physical therapists, whatever it is. If I'm going to be able to outspend you, that's really, really hard for you to moneyball your way past that in, in college football. And then what if schools can start paying players directly, right? Like mm -hmm. that's a legitimate possibility in the next five to 10 years. So, all right, well, how does that factor into it? Are we going to have a situation where Florida State's going to have to choose between we're going to try to compete for national championships in football the way we used to, or we'll have a good football team, but we need, we still need to fund baseball because they have a good baseball program, a good so a great softball program, a great women's soccer program. Are they going to have to pick and choose? Like These are some of the very real things that I think schools are going to have to think about, and particularly with, with FSU and Miami and the ACC. They're going to really have to think those through and, and figure those out in the next few years unless they're able to get out of the ACC or the situation, the, the money situation changes. Let's uh, get out your crystal ball for me and kind of, you know, obviously Florida's in the SEC, so from a financial standpoint, they, they stand to be part of that windfall of, of TV revenue. Uh, Florida State, we, we don't know exactly what the future is of the ACC, uh, and that, in, that includes Miami as well. So um, if you're looking at coaching, players, facilities, conferences, all those things, which of the three big big three programs do you think are are most likely to to make some sort of a move before the other two? In other words, uh, if if you had to pick a winner of those, who, who's who's going to surge back into national championship prominence before the others? Well, if we're looking in the short term here, the answer is Miami. Um, I, okay. I feel the best about Mario Cristobal because again, he yep. won at a high level at Oregon. That's right. Um, he has proven to be a very good recruiter as a head coach. At the major college level, he had nice mm -hmm. classes at Oregon. Um, I think he fits Miami really, really well. And, and Miami mm -hmm. has has taken some steps, too. Um, again, I said earlier that if, if you fail on multiple head coaches in a row, three in a row, four in a row, it's not all on the coaches. I, Miami was the first one that, that I, you know, Miami is the reason I came to that. Uh, earth-shattering conclusion right because they kept bombing and kept failing generally speaking and i think it was the program as much as the coaches and we've seen a shift though where they're they've got some money from from uh, um health that they've been investing in football and they're going to invest more with facilities and i mean the simple fact that you were able to get mario cristobal and then add in the assistance they got like charlie strong like the uh, DB's coach from from Georgia, uh, Gaddis, the um, OC at Michigan, who was he won the Broyles Award as the best assistant in the country. You getting those type of I mean, shoot, Jason Taylor's an, a defensive analyst at Miami for goodness sake. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's not bad. So you put those type of people together at a program like Miami. Add in the fact that oh, by the way, they've got Tyler Van Dyke, who might be a top ten pick at quarterback. I, I feel the best about Miami in the short term. If we're going long term. I still think Florida, um, because mm -hmm. their 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 football complex is going to be be opening fully here soon. It, that that's coming. That's almost done. Um, I, I still think Napier can be. I think he's. I feel fairly confident he can push them forward into that next generation and, and get them caught up in just this is how modern college football is won at this level nowadays. 
And I think he's the guy to lead them there. Whether I don't know if he's, he's going to win championships. I, I just don't know yet. Um, but I feel pretty good about Florida long-term because of the brand, because of the history, um, because of their affiliation with the SEC. And then, you know, Florida State's just, they're the furthest behind right now. They're the furthest behind, generally speaking, on the field. They're the furthest behind in facilities. And I, I don't know about Norvell. And I haven't known about the, you know, just the way the administration has worked in the past either. Although they've got a new president and a new AD. So that's kind of the way I would rank them right now. But just to kind of bring this full circle to some degree, the, the, the question I set out to answer 14 months ago was, will they ever be the big three again? Right. And my short answer is no, they will not. Um, if, if you're expecting to wake up in 2026 and you, you look at the preseason AP poll, um, you, you, I don't expect to see all three in the top 10. I don't. And I certainly don't expect all three to be in the top 10 regularly or, or competing that way, the way they were from 91 to 01. I think it was a historical fluke. It was an anomaly. Like I said, it, it had happened. There had been three top 10 teams from one state once ever in the first 50 years. They did it four times in a decade. That lightning doesn't strike again. I think there was all those series of, of things that came together that made it happen. And that's not going to, that's unlikely to come together again. But if there's a 12 team playoff, let's say that there is in, in, in the next few years, are, are, is, are there scenarios where every now and then all three are in the playoff picture? Maybe all three are in the playoff? Yeah. I think, I think that can happen. Uh, so I think we're. I, I think the the best days for the state of Florida in the Big Three. I think those days are done because we, you know, UCF. We, we talked about them a little bit earlier, but they're heading to the Big Twelve, where it's no longer gonna, they're no longer going to have that Group of Five stigma. And that was a right. very real thing with some recruits. Why, why would I want to play in the the Group of Five? You, you guys don't go don't go to the playoff. You guys don't. You know, go to the the, the best bowls. Why would I want to do that? Well, that stigma is about to disappear to some degree. And so UCF is going to be more of a factor. So I, I, I think the best days are done, but I also think the way it's been here the last couple of years, I think that was, I think those bad days are over too, where I think all three are on the way up to some degree. Uh, again, one or two of these coaches are probably going to fail, but that also means one or two of them will succeed in a way that the coaches haven't done a whole lot here lately in this state. Well, it's a fascinating look at uh, in a three-part series which began in print on Sunday in the Tampa Bay Times. You can read all three segments online at tampabay.com. Matt Baker breaking down the big three college football programs in the state of Florida, the Gators, Seminoles, and Hurricanes, how they dominated college football, uh, what led to their demise, and whether or not they can get back there again. Um, Matt, congratulations. This was uh, I know there's a whole lot of work put into this and an awful lot of words as well. Um, but it, it, it was, uh, something that's, you know, every now and then you, you, you pick up the, the newspaper and you go, well, here's something that I've been wanting to read for a while and you did a great job on it. And I hope that people will, uh, take the time to read it because it's uh, really well done. So congratulations to you. Thanks for joining us as always. We're not that far away from college football, man. It's right around the corner. So enjoy the last few weeks of freedom that you may have. Uh, well, well, thank you for, for all the kind words. And the, the freedom's uh, all pretty much done. Um, I, I was, <laughs> That's right. I was on vacation last week. I did a fantastic job of, of being on vacation, let me tell you. Um, but I, I leave for, for Georgia 
um, for SEC Media Days. We're, we're, we're going up a couple days early, but yeah, I leave Friday. Oh, we're here. On, yeah. on Monday, uh, LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri, and uh, some Commissioner Greg Sankey are going to be in Atlanta talking to us about the season and uh, wow. potentially the whole state of college athletics. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my off season's just about over. It's almost trickled to an end. So enjoy that. Uh, look for Matt's uh, reports over the weekend from the SEC meetings. And, uh, Matt, thanks again. We appreciate it as always. Sure. Thank you, Rick. Our thanks to Matt Baker. He'll be headed up, as he said, to the SEC uh, meetings uh, coming up this weekend. So it's college football season, man. I'm fired up about that. It's already here. NFL, of course, right around the corner. Uh, the Rays are continuing their series with the Boston Red Sox. Boy, game one the other night. Hats off to what I think is the best play I've seen so far, at least uh, by the Rays and maybe in, in baseball. That outfield catch the other night was sensational by Brett Phillips. When I watched it live, I thought, okay, he's probably making a mistake here because I don't think he can get there. And then when he dove, I thought, okay, well, it's going to go off his glove because it it's far exceeds his reach. And then when I watched the replay, he actually basically snow cones a backhand and, and maintains control of the baseball. It was unbelievable. I said it after I was working the game, so I was there, and I couldn't. When he jumped, I'm like, "That's by him." I mean, there's no question, and he snagged it. That's the best catch we've seen by a center fielder in Tampa Bay Rays history. Wow, now that's saying something. I, I, we've Hold seen Kiermaier, we've seen Kiermaier rob some home runs, and so yeah. maybe there are bigger catches in that regard because you actually yeah. took runs off the board, right? But I had thought there was no shot at that catch. I didn't either. Even when he dove and laid completely out, I thought it's it's literally beyond his reach. Mm-hmm. That's why I mean that's you know he got a good jump. He was flying towards the ball. That thing was hit on, a, on a, that was on a rope, and he went a long way for he it. He did, and I just I didn't think he had a shot at it. Me like, either. I mean, Kiermaier's made some fantastic catches. Don't get me wrong. And like no, I said, yes. maybe the bigger ones because they actually took runs took off the runs board. Off I mean, the, you, although you, that you, you could argue runs. that guy yeah. scores from first base on yeah. that play. Yeah, I think it's by him at most definitely. Could have been inside the Parker even. Yeah, and then you're talking about a 2-2 game with a man on second or third mm-hmm. and one out, which changes the context of everything. But the range and how he got there was incredible. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then he got a hit, which broke like an 0 for 24 or something like 0 for that. 0 for 28 by the time he got a hit. 28, yeah. Which was great for him. Which, um, and the other guy, Yandy Diaz, who whew. just hits. He's, uh, he's raking right now. Yeah, we're taping this before Tuesday's game. So yeah, but he's hitting fourteen out of fifteen games. He's hitting five hundred in that span. Twenty-seven for fifty-four with nine walks. So that's his on-base stupid, percentage is like close to six hundred in those fifteen. Yeah, games. that's you don't see that in the major leagues. You don't see it in college or ball or legion ball very often, but in the major leagues to do that. You know what's interesting about Yanni is one of the things, whether he's on fire like he is now or not, I have not seen many Rays players over the years organize their strike zone as well as he does. Mm -hmm. He rarely swings at a ball out of the strike zone. And more than that, he rarely swings at a ball that he can't handle. In other words... He, you know, if there's two strikes, maybe he's trying to make contact and that sort of thing. But for the most part, he's looking for pitches in certain areas. And, you know, he uses the whole field like nobody's business. I mean, he's mostly a, you know, right side of the, of the outfield kind of guy. He usually, you know, goes that way. But when he wants to, when, it's, uh, when he's hitting the way he is now, he can turn and pull the ball. And that's what he's been doing of late and getting some extra base hits out of it. 
but man, you talk about needing guys to step up when you have so many. You know, we talked about like five starters are out of that lineup right now, and 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 you need your guys to be your guys. And Yandy Diaz, I mean, he has done that in 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 spades, and he's just been a consistent guy. Played a decent third base, you know, probably better than I thought he would be. Um, and yeah, he he's off to a terrific gear. And if you were looking for an all star replacement, right? Like, and I don't think he'll he's not going to make the all star team. But if somebody can't go, if there was another guy on the Rays right now that was you know had a good enough start to the season that deserves it, I think it's Diaz. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Some other quick news and notes, Rick. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning have uh, filled their assistant coaching position. If you remember, Derek Lalonde on the staff was hired to coach the Detroit Red Wings, getting mm-hmm. his first head coaching job. So the Lightning hire the former Detroit Red Wings coach, Jeff Blashill, to be their assistant to replace Derek Lalonde. So uh, John Cooper go. and Jeff Blashill, very tight. Uh, Cooper, many years ago, described Blashill as one of his best friends. So it was kind of a, a hire we all saw coming. Uh, once mm-hmm. Blash Hill was let go in Detroit after, I want to say, six or seven seasons. He was one of the more longevity coaches there, went through a lot of the rebuild with them. They're starting to come right. out now, and Steve Eisenman decided they needed to make a change. But yeah. So Jeff Blash Hill joins that staff. And then uh, Rayco Arazarina loaned out from the Rowdies to forward Madison FC uh, in the USF, USL 1 League, which is one league below the championship league where the Rowdies are. So... Um, the Rowdies are getting a goalie loan back. Uh, it gives that that goalie a chance to play at a higher level. He's been doing really well, and it gives Rayco a chance to play more often. So, so that's actually a good thing for Rayco, right? It's good for his development. Absolutely. I mean, he's the backup mm-hmm. goalie here for the Rowdies. He's done well, uh, but he's not. You know, you're playing every what once every four games, maybe something like that. Right, Instead, right. now he's going to get to go down and get to play a lot on a team that's competing for a playoff spot. So. Uh, that will help his development and you know, should help the Rowdies long-term, too, as he becomes a better goalie. And so it's a good move for him. So Rayco won't be with the Rowdies for now at least the rest of the season. Uh, but it, like I said, it's going to help his development, which is a good thing. Sounds great. Well, tomorrow we're going to have uh, Neil Solons, the race pre- and post-game host, to talk Little Rays baseball with you. And then, of course, your mailbag questions later this week. We're getting those in already, but there's still time. You can send them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can send it to me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Thanks for listening. My thanks to Matt Baker again. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 